welcome back to my podcast. Gosh, I was going to say state of mind then. I mean, I guess it is state of mind because that's obviously still the name of the podcast, but this is episode four of Are You Coping? Um, A little subsection of state of mind podcast, which I've started up during lockdown to hopefully provide us all with lovely light-hearted content that's also inspirational and gives you an insight into the ways in which other people are coping at the moment. Um, today's guest is Dea Ward who I am a super fan of. Um, Dea is an orangutan specialist and she worked on the last series of Seven Worlds One Planet um, which is incredible. Um, she's a researcher as well and She's also a cold water swimmer, um, a really passionate swimmer. She lives in Bristol and she's always swimming at the Clevedon Marine Lake, which I am desperate to visit as it looks just absolutely beautiful. Um, we had a lovely chat actually, and I really hope you enjoy it. Um, just quickly before we start, I want to mention to you all that I've set up a Patreon page where you can um, support this podcast. Um, Patreon is is an amazing platform that allows um, you guys to be patrons of um, artistic endeavours that you appreciate. Um, There are lots of podcasters on Patreon, there are lots of musicians on Patreon and just people that are putting out quality free content that are looking for some support in return. I don't have sponsorship for this podcast, um, but it is something that I feel really passionately about. Um, The content that I put out there is really helpful, I feel, to a lot of people, and I try um, and do a lot of nutrition-focused episodes and also um, really great, just kind of lifestyle all-round things that I hope um, make a difference to you guys, and I hope you enjoy listening to it. And if you do, I would love you to head over to my Patreon page. you can find the link at my Instagram bio, but it's just Patreon, spelt P-A, so I'm just looking on the computer now, <laughs> P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Grace Kingswell. Um, and it's not just a, a plea for free money. Um, it's if you do sign up to be either a five pound a month um, patron or a 10 pound a month patron, then um, you will get uh, weekly health focused blog posts, recipes, um, live Q&As with me, um, breathwork classes. Um, and yes, so t- depending on whether you go for the five pound or the 10 pound, um, you get some of those things or all of those things. Um, so yeah, I hope you you feel like you might be able to support and I would be hugely, hugely grateful. Um, for the cost of just a couple of coffees, you can make a massive difference to me and my little podcast. So without further ado, um, let's get into today's episode with Day Award. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast, Dea. Just let me know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, because I know you have a wonderful accent on the A of your name. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's right, Dea. And also I found this, there's a beer in Bristol, which is called Dea Beer as well. Spelt the same and everything. So Amazing. Do you like (laughs) beer? Um, I mean, I had some of that and it's quite nice. It's one of those quite 
trendy beers that I wish I probably oh liked yeah it. like from a, a sort of micro brewery or mm-hmm. something yeah <laughs> but the um but the label is very beautiful it's like a lovely illustration so I, ha- I had one in my room for a very 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 long time and didn't actually end up drinking it because I wanted to save the beer label <laughs> yeah definitely something you should crack open in lockdown you deserve yeah. it <laughs> you can keep the can even if you drink the beer you know I was like oh yeah I didn't really think of that <laughs> You had your recycling hat on. Um, So, Dea, right, my first question is always, who are you? Tell the listeners a little bit about you. So, my name's Dea, and I'm a researcher. Well, I work as a researcher for a um, wild, like, natural history production company based in Bristol. And here in Bristol, it's such a hub for that. We've got the BBC Natural History Unit and loads of independent production companies as well all with the goal of kind of making conservation, environmental, natural history um, series. Yeah. Um, but then I would say also I'm probably known better for being a big orangutan advocate. <laughs> um, I used to live in Borneo for a number of, well, on and off for the last five years. I've been working out there um, in quite remote areas and the work has been very much linked to orangutan conservation. Um, And so trying to really keep that side of things and keep that level of um, involvement with certain NGOs there as well. Um, So yeah, that's that's me on a sort of work and that side. And then also very much like you, a massive lover of cold swimming. (laughs) Amazing. Probably probably how to explain myself. (laughs) Yeah, I know it's always strange, isn't it? I'm the same, I'm like, hmm. I'm kind of like a nutritional therapist, but mainly what I do is go swimming. (laughs) It's never just a simple sort of one line. I am a... I don't know. (laughs) Not not these days. I think the generation of just, you know, having one career and sticking with it until you retire is just over. Mm. Um, And Dea, am I right in thinking that you were involved in the latest Blue Planet series on the BBC? So the... um... I wasn't with the Blue Planet, but for the Seven Worlds, One Planet. Um, Yeah. And particularly, probably doesn't come as a shock, but with the orangutan area. So um, one of the episodes, the Asia episode, I helped at the end of the series. So I wasn't really there for the filming or pre-production, but when it came to, uh, yeah, it was very much a dream come true to be able to help with the last bit of... You know, like the last 10 minutes of every episode, they show a sort of behind the scenes making of that yeah. one for the Asia episode, which focused um, the producer, Emma Napa, had this incredible um, sort of idea to not have it so much about what happened behind the scenes, but instead to use that time to address the topic of palm oil. So hmm. it was, yeah, it was an honour to be able to work with her on that and set the narration out for Sir David and and have that 10 minute slot where you could talk about something not in a preachy way but have that chance Mm. to speak about something that's yeah pretty complex but also pretty important yeah would you be able to tell us a little bit about that because I remember you put it was a while ago you put up a really informative post on your Instagram about palm oil and it was kind of uncovering all the really unlikely places that Mm. you would find it and all the different names that it has, which is to the consumer, it's just so unfair. Um, And and also 
I get really confused because, you know, I, I do my best and I'm really kind of conscious of my, you know, my own footprint and stuff. But it is confusing when you read a label on, say, you know, a, a very healthy peanut butter brand. I won't name names. And it says, you know, palm oil from sustainable sources. But mm. that's not the case, is it? Or is it? Well, it's one of those things that I found probably like many environmental issues, the more that you learn about it, the more that you realise it is not a clear-cut sort of black and white situation. It is so complex that even to this day, I am always wary. I do a few talks in sort of schools and things, and often the topic of palm oil comes up. Um, But what I would say is I think um, there are two sides to the issue of palm oil. One is that it is causing large-scale tropical deforestation and I've seen this this deforestation happen in Borneo where you would be driving through a plantation um, to get to an area where we could release some orangutans back to the wild and if you you know you were to put your thumbs together and your first fingers together to make a diamond shape and that was the shape of the plantation the top narrowest part of that plantation would take maybe four or five hours to drive through and that was just one, like hours and hours going through these plantations where no other crop, there's nothing that can live there, no wildlife that used to be able to live in that area of pristine primary forest can live there anymore. Um, but also on a human side, um, a lot of the palm oil that's manufactured is not sustainable in the sense that there's really bad human rights issues linked to it. Um, land ownership, things as well. And a major problem is that where they're building, where these plantations are growing, um, it's growing on peat. So the peatland swamp forests before, nothing ever really decomposes in a lot of these areas so that when the leaf litter falls, everything just accumulates. So you can get peat that's about five, six metres deep. And to clear this land to um, grow plantations, often they burn, the slash and burn fires. Mm. And when that peat burns for many hours that releases huge amounts of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. So even on not even considering the wildlife standpoint, just considering how much carbon dioxide is then released into the atmosphere is a huge issue. Um, So, but what I would say I'm very cautious of, of raising here is that palm oil itself is not the problem. Um, It's an incredibly efficient oil. It uh, takes 10 times less land than other oil alternatives that we may have to use instead. Um, It's versatile, it's flexible, but the problem is the way that it's being manufactured and that you're exactly right, that idea of sustainability. Still to this day, though it is getting better, it's very nebulous. There are Mm. some companies that are labelled under the sustainable, for example, RSPO, sustainably sourced palm oil, who have fair work policies. their plantations are on degraded land. They're not cutting down any more areas of forest. Um, they're working with local people. But the problem is that a lot of these certifications, for example, RSPO, um, have about five variables that all can be called, all get that same certification. One of which might be, like I just mentioned, a very good um, company who are sourcing it well and fairly. But another one, which still gets that same certification, may not be doing any sustainable practices whatsoever. They've announced that they're on board and they support it, but they um, 
are not sustainable in themselves, they just donate a certain amount of money each year. Or there'll be another variable that also goes under that same label, which is they have an uh, there's an unknown ratio of sustainable to unsustainable, um, which is, you know, that could be two to 20 <laughs> or something crazy like that. Yeah. Um, so I think looking forward, what we should push for is as a consumer, not to point fingers on anyone, not to point fingers at, at the culprit, oh, sorry, that, you know, who's causing this problem, but to realise that we as a consumer have an important part to play in in our choices. And there are apps like Bicot, which shows you, you can um, basically choose what's important to you, whether that's human rights issues, animal welfare, um, many, many, many different uh, areas. And when you scan an object, you can, it shows you on the things that you've stated that you, that matter to you, how that product stands. And I think in a slightly waffly way of saying, what we should really push for now is not to say palm oil is bad and palm oil is good, but instead really together push for this transparency mm. for us as consumers to know where does that palm oil come from? Where has it been sourced? Right from the supply chain mm. um, all the way through to it being a product that you buy in the supermarket. And if we have that transparency, which is coming, we can make better decisions um, and I don't know, I'm sure probably with, with your experience as well, that happens with many foods and many things. We're only, even the fashion industry, we're realising yeah, now. Yeah, or the, yeah. Or the um, I was thinking when you're talking about the app, I was thinking about the cosmetic industry because there's an app um, where you can now scan the barcode of your, let's say, moisturiser and it gives you a ranking of toxicity um, telling you you know how bad for your health essentially is this product that you're about to put on your skin Mm. um and uh, yeah I agree it's about empowering the consumer rather than dumbing us down with clever advertising and marketing and Mm. you know disseminating that information whether it be via clever technological inventions like these apps and stuff because that's where the change will come from isn't it and changing people's habits I guess yeah so it it is it's such it's a topic that I find so hard to to come to the conclusion of saying like in, in from what I've seen and from what I've witnessed palm oil has created devastating impacts on the environment there for the for the wildlife but also for many of for example I spent a lot of time with um, some Dayak communities who the forest is such a core part of the culture and and everything um Mm. and to see these areas sometimes you'll see one remaining patch of this pristine beautiful forest with layers and layers of sounds of cicadas gibbons everything and then you just go a tiny bit further and it's this oil palm plantation completely silent um but but yeah i think from it's it's difficult but i would say on the whole what we tried to get across with the um end of the uh, seven worlds one planet episode the asia episode was sustainable palm oil not, might not be perfect there are many um areas of it that are far from that but if we together show that what we're pushing for is this transparency and that we want sustainable, sustainably sourced things or, or things that, you know, as you mentioned, that are not toxic for our skin. I mean, that should mm. be a thing that we would hope for. Um, hopefully then that would encourage these major corporations 
to make it more of a priority rather than always staying at the back burner of the priorities and have um, profit as, as the major one. Yeah, yeah. So so with the work that you do then, um, generally, mm. <laughs> not, in, not in times of corona, um, being a researcher and all of what we've just been discussing, basically, how has your daily routine changed since... I guess, since lockdown? Yeah, um, I would say so. I'm incredibly grateful that my work has continued at the moment. Um, And though uh, shoots, for example, have had to be postponed or or in in all pretty much across Bristol now, various production companies, what um, with my work, what I'm thoroughly enjoying is the fact that during the research, if there's a certain um, species that you might want to consider filming for a sequence, the best people really to speak to are those that are doing, those that are there in the field, um, those that are conducting research, those that have spent many years tracking these animals, anything like that. Um, and on the whole, obviously because they're conducting this research or they're in the field in these remote locations, um, communication from the UK has sometimes been quite difficult. Whereas now, um, I'm finding that it's been far easier, actually, and hugely I've learned so much from certain experts, researchers, um, local assistants um, about what's going on, because there's this time now to be able to speak. Um, so I would say I'm holding on to that through this crazy time as a huge, um, ama- you know, an incredible opportunity that might not happen again, where there are experts and highly experienced people who are now able to have the time to speak. Mm. Um, work itself um, I'm trying to stick to the same routine I'm working from home Um, there are about six of us in the house all working from home now or three doctors and the rest working from home and one thing is quite funny is juggling various zoom meetings because the house has certain areas of internet so you might start (laughs) and then realize you have to kind of go take the laptop onto the stairs one person go near the garden Um, so that's quite it's quite funny um but another thing that's been quite interesting is one of my housemates mentioned um, being able to see how different people work um, in different industries. It's, you know, we all sit down at a table together, all doing completely different jobs and trying to stick to the same routine, usually about eight till 5.30 or nine till six sort of thing. Um, yeah, but it's funny to see what different environments are like to work with different teams and things, how much you might mm. speak to the team, how much is um, independent projects and works and I think that's um been very interesting but I, the main thing that I wanted to mention which seems a bit crazy but I've thought about it every day is um one of the big things it, it's a slightly jokey thing but um since lockdown begun I've been barefoot pretty much all day and if you think about it like in the house you don't I wouldn't really wear shoes okay so you go out and do exercise and trainers but apart from that I'm spending most hours of the day with no shoes on and there are these shoes that you know the barefoot trainers and things like that and I just it hit me the other day I was thinking in you know very fortunate to have a garden and I was thinking I've spent probably all the hour all the day apart from one hour to do exercise or however long completely barefoot and <laughs> yeah it's been quite a funny thing but also quite lovely really and how when has that else... made you on a kind of physiological level because yeah. this is now 
crossing over into what I'm super fascinated about. How yeah. has that made you feel? And have you noticed any kind of mind-body differences or a greater sense of calm or improved health or anything? Yeah, well, I would say I've always... Because it's called earthing, isn't it? I think yes. Earthing. So I've always... I'm a, Yeah, I would definitely say I will always take the opportunity to be, be barefoot when I can. Um, even sometimes if you're going on a, a walk and you get to a field, I'll always try and take off my shoes to be barefoot. I, I absolutely love it. But it's something that I kind of associated with summer. Mm. The ease of kind of slipping off some sandals and then being barefoot or, or maybe even just on holiday or at the beach. But I've definitely found, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit later, but this um, connection during this time where everything has slowed down, that you're far more in- aware of how you are feeling in your body. And I put shoes on the other day to go do a shop and I just was waiting to take... I, I don't really want to wear shoes anymore. <laughs> I know yeah. it sounds ridiculous, but it's, it is in this time to think that you... There's no way that I'd be able to do this in a normal normal mm. daily routine. Um, so a small thing, but quite a funny one. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say it must have been... Um, it must be harder for you to get your daily swimming fix at the moment with the lockdown rules and actually that kind of grounding and earthing that you get from being barefoot is exactly the same as the kind of electron transfer that you get when you submerge yourself in a natural body of water Um, because those signs and signals that we pick up and we receive when we are grounding or earthing it's exactly the same you know our bodies Mm. are 70 percent water and we have this affinity for it and I think if you are a swimmer like you and I Mm. that's the feeling that we crave isn't it and that's the reason certainly that I go swimming is for that connection with myself and with my surroundings I think because it grounds me it makes me feel calm it re-centers me into my body because it's so cold that you can't yeah. think of anything else and um yeah I want I was just wondering how that's been for you you know the transition from perhaps swimming all the time to swimming in a dustbin like I saw yeah. on your Instagram or you know yeah. maybe maybe the taking off the shoes has kind of replaced that in a way yeah I think it's definitely been something that has as you said, I think one thing that I love about outdoor swimming is is the um, your senses are everything feels present. Like you're mm. so aware of your surroundings through your senses, and there's no barrier. And I think I I mean not I think I know I've missed this time. You know, people ask, "What do you think you've missed the most, or what have you learnt about certain things?" And my gosh, have I missed that freedom that you get in swimming? Your whole body to be able to choose which direction you go that everything Mm. about it but definitely I I think you're right I think it's something that I might I I hadn't quite thought about so much but that feeling of I suppose when you're swimming and when you get out swimming you know when you're going to get shivers you know what your body feels like when you go in it's something that you're both aware of but also totally uh, not in control of the the Mm. elements of the sea have a completely different not power of you but there's an so much that you can experience but you're sort of beautifully out of control as well Mm -hmm. and I think um you get that in nature a lot um but um I found at this time now that the same thing in in terms of when you have far fewer distractions and you're at home and you have a certain routine but within that there's so much time to pause I'm 
understanding a lot more about my body that I might not have considered before. So just to give an example, I um, was I went deaf in one year a couple of years ago. Um, I have suspicions that it's from stress because um, since it happened, I've met about six or seven women all in their early 20s had the same thing happen where complete... I don't wear my hearing aid because it, do, it doesn't work really. I'm too deaf basically for it. Um, but day to day, I, I don't really... Um, I mean, I probably miss what people are saying a few times and they have to say it again or things like that. But um, what I noticed is doing a body scan every morning or just having the time to pause, not always rushing from A to B. I can feel when there's tension in the side of my head where I'm deaf and when I'm not, whereas that's something that I've completely been unaware of before this time in lockdown. Um, Just kind of gone okay, woken up, done this, done that, go to work, do this. Do Whereas mm-hmm. now it's there's these pauses that we didn't have before and you kind of are more aware of checking in with your body maybe a bit more, yeah, which w- yeah. we would have that when we would swim, but that was kind of my only real time that I had that. Maybe if I had a bath, but but most mm. rawly in the environment of of swimming. And now I feel I've got that in pockets more, although it's not as intense without the swimming. You still get it from yeah having time to... To pause yeah and is that what you would say you're most grateful for at the moment as well um I definitely think time is a big one there um I think I noticed that I planned a lot before this I not even just sort of social things but just I liked to fill time with with things um and yeah I would say there are certain things that I always didn't really, I always wanted to do, but I wouldn't do it. More hobbies that I've now rediscovered and love. And I think on this time, you really realise what are the things that nourish you and what are the things that make you feel not that you have to do it because you have to be productive and this is a good thing to do because everyone's doing this, but things that you actually really feel your soul like dancing to when you mm. do it which I don't think I'd ever really processed before. So having that time and the, uh, I took a, one of my leave days for the annual leave um, last week. And it was funny to think, or even for example, the bank holiday we had recently, which was beautiful weather. And we're very fortunate here. I'm grateful for it every single day. I think it comes up in my gratitude for having this garden. Um, I know how lucky we are. And I think just to, consider for example on that bank holiday we probably were you know my boyfriend and myself probably would have gone to um, go camping somewhere or go go somewhere else but to think that that garden would have been completely unused from probably Mm. all of my housemates would have gone somewhere else I think we're rediscovering certain areas that maybe within the house within that we wouldn't have really considered before or rediscovering patches of your routine that now have opened up for you to do things that you want to do in that moment because you sincerely want to do it rather than not having time and just sort of always forward thinking forward thinking forward thinking yeah absolutely so um in terms of food because let's be honest I am completely obsessed with yeah food and eating and I just think that for so many of us at the moment food is a huge huge comfort yeah um what are you loving at the moment what can't you live without I think 
there are a few things that I can't live without and I think one major one is the fact that we've got this um, vegetable shop just about a three minute walk up the road veg veg is veg veg the veg even and I think we're eating as a house it's been lovely we've been cooking every single meal together apart from breakfast but lunches and um, dinners together since lockdown begun Um, there's about yeah I think there's six of us in the house so I think kale huge one Mm -hmm. (laughs) kale and just so much veg right now and just enjoying cooking new veg cooking different veg cooking veg that I've been cooking for ages but in a different way um another major one that I'm food that I'm really enjoying at the moment is actually just adding seeds to everything I eat Mm. um you would know this far better than me I think but I read recently that um sesame seeds have quite high iron is that right I don't know Mm. if that calcium particularly in sesame seeds um and they're quite good for zinc as well I think ah okay and I I mean I am a huge I don't think I've gone a day without tahini in about two years (laughs) (laughs) I love it so much yeah I think, I think sesame seeds seem to feature in almost everything. You just sprinkle it on anything and it makes it mm. look, yeah, seeds on anything make the, the food look so delicious. Um, so I think for me right now, it's really about eating from this shop, just really locally sourced fresh veg. I, I've been so grateful for every day. Mm. Um, and then also um, a good friend of mine here who's a herbalist, she creates um, Lily, uh, Lily Kennedy Clark is her name. She makes the most beautiful relaxed tea loose leaf tea which has chamomile flowers oat there's quite a few things in it but I've been brewing a little teapot of that every night and I think now that's become such a nice integral part of the day so after Mm. we have a supper of lots of lovely veg and lentils and uh, yeah I think dal has also featured a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) but yeah that tea has just been so heavenly to have at the end of a day and just sort of yeah it, it's, it's been lovely yeah, yeah definitely Amazing. what's something that you've learned about yourself since lockdown um I think it has been that thing of just how busy I was and um another thing that shocked me actually during this time is how much I feel that I recharge from time alone as well mm-hmm. which I never really thought of before um I wouldn't say I preferred recharging when, you know, in terms of solitude over in terms of being with loved ones, friends and family. But but I think factoring in that time, particularly in the morning, I found very early in the morning before everybody wakes up, I wouldn't swap that time for anything now. Um, Having that time in the morning to just, I've got a lot of sort of, um, yeah, few sort of nice, I get they get called potions in this house like essential oil things and just having yeah. the time in the morning um I think that's shot that surprised me how much I do really value just time that's not filled with reading or I, I think that's what it was before and this idea of being busy even when I had nothing to do I was still doing things still putting a wash on still tidying this still doing this whereas mm. now it's so I've noticed how important that is just to really you feel your shoulders kind of going down and thinking, right, there's there's nothing that I need to do right now. I, no one is doing anything elsewhere that you, you, you have to choose between. You're here. Mm. What do you want to do right now um, in this moment? I think that's that's been a big one. 
Um, and I think, yeah, another thing that I've kind of learned is this idea of being able to listen to your body. Mm. Because when you're not always forward thinking, you're seeing what um, maybe one day you feel like you do need to go and go on a run. And other days, actually, you just really don't want to do anything. Um, yeah, and I think I've not ever really fully listened to my body that much. And actually, also, I've come to realise how much it's sinking to different things, particularly on a monthly cycle, how mm. much um, there are patterns now with my moods and emotions and I'm finding that absolutely intriguing just having the time to really check in rather than once every sort of couple weeks when you're on a train looking out the window checking in now it's on a daily thing so fantastic and I think absolutely you know a crucial point for people's own health is this idea of checking in and understanding your own symptoms and taking responsibility for them and you know um learning more about yeah the way our bodies work is just so invaluable Mm. yeah um that's amazing and so my last question Dea is that if there are if there were three things that you absolutely could not live without in lockdown Mm -hmm. what would they be I think the first would definitely be some essential oils. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Nice. I think if I had to pick one if I had to just pick one probably peppermint because mm. anytime you have a bit of a headache, I just put it, that cold sensation on your temples is so lovely. Or maybe lavender. Mm. Um, oh, I love I think I would, yeah. it, it's everywhere. It's right by my laptop when I work. It's, yeah, I think I definitely have to have a little essential oil. Um, I think I would also take, um, this is a bit of a strange idea, but um, I love sea glass. And um, I recently went to see Seam. I think it's up um, near, I have to check, I think it's quite near Durham. Um, and basically, I have a few bits of uh, glass that have basically been eroded in the sea that have got this beautifully soft edge. And sometimes you come across a piece that's the colour of the sea that you, particularly when the sun's shining, you look at the sea in a certain patch and, and you just think, oh, I wish I could capture that in your eyes for when it's midwinter and you haven't mm. gone swimming for a while um and it just is the exact color it feels like you've got a hardened droplet well I suppose it's hardened droplet from the sea so I'd probably take that to remind me of the sea um and then there's a I'd want to take a book um I would take the there's a little book called the prophet um, I have to check who the author is, but every double, every couple of pages, there's a different sort of story or lesson about something. So, for example, there's one one message on giving, one message on love, one mes- message on marriage, one message on forgiveness. And no matter how many times I read this book, I seem to find a different part that really resonates with me. And ever since first reading it, particular chapters like the one on love and the one on um I think it was um one link to parents as well mm-hmm. no it was definitely the one on love really struck with me and I think there was another one as well but there were many many different topics and I don't think you could ever read it and not learn something or have something really touch you in that so I'll probably take that as well amazing those are such well thought out lovely things it's a bit strange but (laughs) no but I think you know you have you have thought about it and you have provided us all listening with such 
lovely thought-provoking ideas and I want to live how you're living in lockdown. <laughs> Can I come round for vegetables and lentils? No, the answer is definitely no. It's not allowed. Um, after lockdown, the, though. After lockdown, we can go for a swim. Um, but this has been such a pleasure, Dea, and thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. Um, for anyone that wants to know more about you and what you do, where's the best place they can find you? Um, well... My Instagram has a weird mix of all these things. So orangutans, swimming, and little drawings and rambling thoughts that I have. So probably well, on Instagram, my name is just Dea Ward, or, or one word. That's probably the best place to find um, to find these things. Um, and then if you have, if anyone ever had any questions about, the, you know, the palm oil or anything like that, I'd be more than happy to um, send any tips or advice that I can. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you for having me.